Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios of Relate365.com. And we love hanging out, having fun, poking the bear. Yeah. And by bear, I mean Dave. Yeah. Not the bears. No, we're not going to talk about the bears because us being on different sides of the fence, you being a bear fan and me being a Packer fan. And we, we never. And this year we haven't really cared anyway. No, that's true. I didn't, I didn't even throw out like a peep challenge this I year. I know. I know, but normally we used to care, and yeah. something's happened to our care. You know, I mean, we we yeah. don't seem to care anymore. Uh, yeah, all it, yeah, yeah. God, I'm just going to throw my old man two cents in here. Old this. man two cents. Yeah. Okay. I'm tired of athletes making political statements. Yes. I'm just tired of it. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. There you go. I, I, and it, what we talked about in the last program, and you'd have to go to Relate365.com to download it if you like, but what, what I talked about is if you really feel that way, then do something about it. That's right. So I don't have to watch it. That's right. And there that's what I'm doing about it. I'm not going to be violent. I'm not going to be angry with anybody. I, I, I wish those guys well. I'm just not going to watch them and, and make sure. What if the Packers make the Super Bowl? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not against the game. And I'm not. <laughs> I'm just I'm poking yeah, well, I'm the bear. Not. I'm here to poke the bear. A, a penny actually, for your thoughts. Your two cents, a penny you know, for your thoughts. Actually, when the Bears played the Packers, I went out hunting. And it was the last day of bow hunting season. So I went out hunting, didn't get anything, came in, and I, I did watch the second half. I was just curious. Oh, yeah. To see what happened. Was it close? No, the, the Packers pretty much ate them up. But, oh, okay. Uh, see, I, didn't, I, I knew they lost. I didn't yeah. know like, to what extent. Yeah. Well, I didn't, that's, I didn't even know if the that's the old bear we used to poke, and I guess we're not doing that yeah, so much anymore. Yeah, we're not doing anymore. that anymore. Yeah. So, in condolences, feel free. Dave loves peeps, so oh, you can send please, him some peeps. Please, I don't know why they were invented. But so. uh, have you? do you have favorite authors? Do I have favorite authors? Um, do you read much anymore? Do you listen I'm in, more? I'm in a phase of life where I'm, I'm not in the readings. I used to love reading. Okay. And then I had three boys. Yeah. And they're still younger, so I don't get a whole lot of reading done. Right. Uh, apart from, like, Bible and some Bible-related things. Yeah. Um, which is still good, but in terms of, like, oh, that book looks interesting. Let me go ahead and read that. I just don't have that time at the moment in my life. Oh, you will. You used will to. again. Used yeah. to. You used to and you will again. Yeah. At oh, some yeah. Point. It, it ebbs and flows, so I've been told. Yeah. So. Well, it's interesting because I, I really don't read books, and I've said this before, but I don't read them because I like the exercise of reading, but I really want the information. Yeah. So most of the books I read are very informational, and my wife and I will sit and listen to a book together mm. and talk about it. So we're doing that on this that Enneagram stuff right now. We're just listening to a book on it. Oh, Enneagram. You're so Enneagram. trendy, Dave. Welcome to my generation. I'm Mr. Trend. That's what my new nickname should be, Mr. Right. Trend, because I, I it was listening to a book. <laughs> 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 so that must define it. But I do like it. most of the authors that really grab me are, are old and dead. I mean, really old or not here anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, they're, they, they were thinkers, and I really appreciate their writing. Yeah. And- they were people who basically didn't have all the distractions we have today. Mm. And it it sounds that way when you read them. They actually thought things through. That is one, I just want to take an aside here. Sure. That is one thing I appreciate about even my childhood still, as I, even as I ring, raise up our boys, is that even though there were still probably more distractions during my childhood than there were in your childhood, right? It's I feel like far less in the distractions that are currently right now. Right. For a child. Oh, absolutely. You know. Yeah, can you imagine, and I know you limit your kids on anything, but can yeah. you imagine if uh, children your age had uh, smartphones and, and cable, oh, there, there's some that cable are. television and it's where there's yeah. 4,000 channels and 
yeah. you know, whatever else it might be. You could get distracted very easily. Yeah. Uh, but one of the authors I've been reading lately, and I really haven't read him until now, and I'm in my 60s, okay. is Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn. I'll spell that for you. I won't spell Alexander because this is Russian, obviously. So however you spell Alexander in Russian, that's how you spell his first name. Um, but his last name is S-O-L-Z-H-E-N-I-T-S-Y-N. Bless you. So, thank you. Solzhenitsyn. <laughs> uh, one of the books he wrote is called The Gulag Archipelago. Okay. And it was really about the Russian gulags during a very tough time in communism. Um, I'm going to read some things to you, and I just want to kind of give you a background of this guy. Uh, Although, here's what a summary of it said. Although more than three decades have now passed since the winter of 1974, when unbound, hand-typed, some Russian word, manuscripts of Alexander Solzhenitsyn Gulag Archipelago, that's a mouthful, first began circulating around what was then the Soviet Union. The emotions the book stirred have left marks which remain today. That's interesting. A book that was written back in the 70s uh, affected a nation uh, profoundly. Uh, the honesty also quickly won him detractors. Within a month of publication, the novel had already been denounced at a meeting of the Soviet Writers' Union. Critics wrote that it was too bleak, too amoral, Within a few more months, Solzhenitsyn himself was under personal attack, falsely accused of having surrendered to the Germans during the war and having been convicted on criminal charges, wow. uh, which really that shouldn't have happened. Then, in 1970, Solzhenitsyn won the Nobel Prize. Can you imagine? His home country rejects him and rejects what he said, and he wins a Nobel Prize for it. Wow. Now, that alone has some... Uh, thought process uh, that you should probably investigate. I mean, why did he win that? Read the book to figure out why he won it. Yeah. Uh, fearing he would be barred from returning to Russia, he decided not to travel to, to Stockholm to accept the award, but he issued a statement to be read out at the Nobel banquet, among other things noting the remarkable fact that the day of the Nobel Prize presentation coincides with Human Rights Day and calling on all Nobel Prize winners to remember that fact. Let none at this festive table forget that political prisoners are on a hunger strike this very day in defense of rights that have been curtailed or trampled underfoot. The uh, Swedish government was unnerved and the Nobel Committee failed to read that part. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they realize, okay, this is trouble. Yeah. It's trouble with the Soviet Union. It's trouble, you know, we're not going to take a stand. The Soviet authorities were furious and boycotted the ceremony. The Soviet Writers Union denounced Solzhenitsyn as the darling of reactionary circles in the West, and reviewers described him as run-of-the-mill writer with an exaggerated idea of his own importance, whose literary gifts were inferior to many his Soviet contemporaries and writers of the West chooses to ignore because it finds the impact of truth in their writing unbearable. Anyway, I, I find that very interesting that he was one who could express himself very eloquently in writing. Mm -hmm. Even as I read the translation today, it's, it's translated well into English. Mm -hmm. And I understand it, and it's, it's, it's very readable. Yeah. But he's talking about a very dark time in history. And I guess for some people that are listening, maybe this isn't a good time for you to read 
about a dark time in history. You know, mm-hmm. maybe maybe this is not the best book for you. Yeah. But for those who want to analyze how somebody gets from A to B mm-hmm. and then from B to C and C to D, it's a good book. Yeah. Because what it does is it shows you a mind frame of how things happened and how arrests were made and how a government authority started to take over uh, everyday life and change the normal that was around them. Hmm. And I and I find it fascinating as I read it. So um, I, I'm just not sure, again, if you have ever read a book like that or or um, the, uh, the gentleman who started the... Um, uh, martyrs, uh, voice of the martyrs. Voice of the martyrs. Uh, do you remember his name? I don't. Uh, he is a guy that wrote uh, tremendous books that I couldn't put down, and it wasn't because of the fact that I enjoy the violence that he was sharing that was going on, but because of the truth. Wormbrand. Wormbrand. Yes, and he, excellent books. I would suggest if people want to stop filling their minds with media that's trying to twist your mind. Mm-hmm. Wormbrand has something to say. Solzhenitsyn has something to say. These guys had actually hope because they knew God. Th- these guys were, were people who could go through these times and explain what was going on so that others could see the reality of what was going on. And they needed to uh, express what was going on at that particular time. And uh, I don't know what the future has to the United States of America, uh, but I do know that uh, Solzhenitsyn seemed to show a unique sensibility as he retold the stories of what happened in these gulags or prisons. And um, hey, let me give you some quotes from him, and I'll okay. get your response from him. All right. Okay, he said this. Everything you add to the truth subtracts from the truth. It's that actually was, very profound. Yeah, yeah, that's one of his quotes. As he was looking at the system, he's, he was trying to make the point that, you know, it's not just people who tell you, a half-truth. It's when you add to what the truth is. Mm-hmm. You've changed the very definition. Yeah. So if somebody comes to me and says, yes, you know, I appreciate the fact that you believe that marriage is between one man and one woman and that you're committed to your wife, but I think you have to be um, tolerant of the fact that other people don't think that way. And w- you can believe that and we can believe this and we can both be right. And okay, they just added to the truth. Yeah. Which means that it's just like a lie now. Mm-hmm. That's what Solzhenitsyn says. But I, th- I think, again, he's the kind of guy you quote because you're, you're not going to be able to say that what he said isn't true because he's lived it. Mm-hmm. And it's well documented that he lived it. Yeah. Um, another quote. In our country, the lie has become not just a moral category, but a pillar of the state. Hmm. No wonder he got kicked out. Yeah. Or he didn't feel like, I mean, that's a tough one. That is, yeah. Let me ask you this, though. Did you see, I I know that you were not watching the news during the election cycle. No, I wasn't. So you didn't see any of the advertisements? No. I did. I saw some. That's what made me quit watching the news. (laughs) But, I mean, it's probably indicative of, of, of the last couple of election cycles where it's just personal attacks. Well, it's not only personal attacks. One of them had to be lying. Sure, yeah. And the ads played one right after the other. Right. So you look at them and you say, you cannot both. This ad, for example, let me think of an example. Uh, They would say something like um, uh, Trump believes that, um, you know, people with pre-existing conditions shouldn't be covered for insurance. Mm -hmm. 
The next ad is Trump saying he believes that those with pre-existing conditions should be covered with insurance. Right. The very next ad. Yeah. And so you look at that, if you hear it, and you go, one of those is lying. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure which one, because I'm not, I don't know what they're actually doing or doing behind the scenes, but they both can't be right, and they both can't be telling me the truth. Mm -hmm. That's pretty serious when you think about it. Absolutely, yeah. And that's what I thought about when Alexander Solzhenitsyn said this. If lying becomes a pillar, if it becomes a a bedrock of something, what kind of society can you hope to have? actually and uh, i don't know how do you how do you know when somebody's lying um sometimes you could tell but some people do it so often that you don't even know anymore yeah i would suggest that you have a list of very simple things that are true and don't get into the weeds with everything yeah um for example there is a god mm-hmm. i'm not him okay you write that down that that's a truth that Whatever anyone says that goes against that, you know, they're wrong. If yeah. they add to that, they're wrong. Um, God, in the beginning, you can go back to Genesis. In the beginning, God created. Okay, I, I got that. I'm right. That's, that's an absolute. Mm-hmm. And I think if you would just make a list of the absolutes and not go crazy, yeah. I think the lie would be very evident to you, mm-hmm. you know, down the road. Um, uh, for example, uh, uh, abortion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when you hear people talk about it, they talk about women's rights and health care and that kind of thing. To me, that's all lying. Mm-hmm. That's adding or subtracting something. Because what we understand is that two people shouldn't be sexually active until they're married, and, and then after that, they need to be committed to each other. And if a child is created in that time period, that's a good thing. There's a place for them to go, and mm-hmm. that's a blessing of God. So, see, that I know for truth. So mm-hmm. anything that goes against that, right? I don't care how sophisticated you are i don't care what the majority says anything that goes against that is wrong mm-hmm. um, i can't tell you in every subject of the world who's right and wrong mm-hmm. i couldn't tell you if you were lying to me about whether you had a lot of money or not i mean i don't know and i wouldn't argue with you mm-hmm. because those things i just don't know yeah um so anyway i found it interesting that he says things that are true i think it takes courage for somebody to stand up and say this is what i see Mm-hmm. and not be full of hate. They just see it. Right. Uh, another quote of his, since we're on a roll with him, violence can only be concealed by a lie, and the lie can only be maintained by violence. Mm. He just says, you know, you, there's a lot in his book that talks about the role of fear. Yeah. And how those who are controlled by others, usually they're controlled by fear. Mm-hmm. You either got a bigger gun or you're afraid they're going to take money away or, or you're afraid they're going to devalue you as a human or you're afraid. But a lot is done with fear. Yeah. And in order to um, justify what they do, they'll actually use violence to help instill the fear. And then they maintain the fear by maintaining their ability to demonstrate violence. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody wants to get beat up, right. hurt. Um, interesting. Another quote. The solemn pledge to abstain from telling the truth was called the socialist realism. Abstain from telling the truth. It wasn't that you go out and lie. But you don't tell the truth. You don't tell the truth. Mm. Silence. 
He was talking about, and, and I, I forget, in First John, I just think First John 1, 8 says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. There, there is a truth that we have to you know, apply. And if, if we say that we're, we don't sin, then we basically lie and, and don't do the truth. Um, the, the, the solemn pledge to abstain from telling the truth is a certain way to let society go downhill. Mm-hmm. To not get involved, to not say something about what you've seen, what you've experienced is not right. Mm-hmm. To hate is not right. Right. But to not speak is not right. And that's important for us uh, to say. Um, there's a passage in the Bible. I'm going to read this to you because I think it's just appropriate at this point. Okay. In John 8, 39, uh, verses 39 to 47, it says, that They answered him. The, the religious people were talking to Jesus. And they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works of Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. And they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and a father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is you're not of God. Mm. That's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, that's very powerful. Jesus wasn't quiet. He was saying, let me tell you what the problem is. You act just like your father to the devil. Mm-hmm. I threaten that because I tell you that he is a devil, that he is wrong, that you're wrong. You know how many people actually try and create a life where they think they're right, and if they think they're right and surround themselves with people, then everybody feels good about mm-hmm. what they're doing. Right. Did you ever read the story of the Emperor's New Clothes to your kids? Uh, oh, I haven't. I, fr- I remember that one. Oh, man. What a powerful, powerful, powerful story. I would read that to my kids once a year if I were you, because, and I would talk about its ramifications. Yeah. Because it's so, it, it was based basically on a, on a Spanish story of the 14th century. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of an interesting thing, but you know, the vain emperor, he spends time and money on his own interests. And if, if those who haven't read it, and if you have children, I would suggest you go out and buy it, mm-hmm. that you read it to them, and you talk to them about it. Because that's really where our culture's at right now. The emperor's new clothes. This guy was so vain, he wanted people to think so well of him that the people used his vanity to destroy him. He couldn't deal with the truth. So these, these clever guys came up to him, and they told him that they could make him clothes, but the clothes had a special quality to him. 
He could be, they could be unique clothes. They could, they could be something nobody else has. And this guy said, I don't care what it costs. I'll pay you. Just make these clothes for me. So they got their loom and they started working on it. And the king went in and he saw him working on it. And they held up nothing, they, but they pretended like they were holding a mm-hmm. cloth. Yeah. And they said, what do you think? It looks beautiful. And he looked at it. And in his brain, he said, I didn't see anything. But he already was told that if you're a fool... This is what this cloth does. If you're a fool, you don't see anything. Mm. And so he said he saw it, and it was beautiful. And they kept, they kept making his clothes. And one day they got it done, and he took his current clothes off, and they put this on, and they ranted and raved about how he looked. Mm-hmm. And he went out and did a parade. Mm. And everybody in the whole nation, village, wherever he was, basically was told that if you don't see clothes— you're a fool. So they were all admiring his clothes. He was going by him and everybody's saying how wonderful they are and how great and he looked great and they were astonished at the beauty of the, the weaving and, the, and he was just proud as a peacock until one day, one, one spot, a child said, he's naked. Yep. And everybody stopped for a minute and they realized this kid was right. Yeah. And the king... He was stuck already. He wouldn't admit he was naked. Mm-hmm. What a miserable existence. Yeah. An absolutely miserable existence. And it took somebody to be honest for a few minutes, mm-hmm. for a few seconds, to say what they saw, to change the course of everything that was going on. I would get that book and read it. And I think that's what Solzhenitsyn is doing. He's kind of he's teaching that the emperor has no clothes in the Soviet Union then. And for people to think that the, the government was doing what was right and loving and kind and, and to be silent about it. All these people that were silent about the emperor's clothes mm-hmm. did not give the emperor clothes. He was still without clothes. Right. So in the end, it was only the child who could help him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm asking people, your generation, any generation, be the child. Be yeah. somebody who speaks the truth, not because you're trying to hurt somebody, but because the truth is pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to speak it. Um, in, in 1 John 3.18, it says, Dear children, don't love in words and in speech, but with actions and truth. It, yeah. Love in a way that demonstrates the fact that you know God and that you know people. And um, not only that, 2 Timothy, and some, a verse we've used a lot, but 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. And the, the next phrase is important, who correctly handles the word mm-hmm. of truth. Yeah. Um, you remember what Satan did in the garden? Deceived. Yeah, but how? Questioned the truth. Well, he added on to it a he little added, bit. He added, he questioned, he... He didn't really want to say God was lying. Right. That wouldn't go over well. No. He just wanted to say, did you really understand what God said? He wanted to create confusion. Yeah, and how how difficult was it for them to understand that, what God said? Right, it wasn't that difficult. No. Your kids could understand it. Can you tell your kids, how old are they, what are their ages? Seven, four, and three. Okay, can you tell them, don't touch this? Oh, yeah, all the time. Would they understand what that means? Oh, yeah. So if I came in and I said, your dad told you not to touch that, Mm -hmm. do you know why he doesn't want you to? Why, Dave? Because if you do, 
you'll get this really cool tingly feeling from your fingers all the way to your toes and it's so much fun that he wants to keep you from that mm. he wants you to never know it happens so that only he touches the spoon and then i walk out of the room <laughs> what do you think would happen oh they would touch it i know and again it, did they not understand what you said? No, they understood. But the way that I put it, mm -hmm. we need to realize that there are people like the one I just portrayed in the world. They're evil. They're wrong. Satan is evil. Mm. He will try and get you to destroy yourself. That's what he does. Yeah. And if you're not willing to identify that, then you're going to be susceptible to it. It, you can look, you can pretend that you're the emperor with the new clothes all you want. But the best asset you're going to have is the little boy that tells you you're not wearing any clothes. Mm -hmm. Not the rest of the people you've surrounded yourself with. Right. Um, I think there's a really unhealthy bubble. It's been all the way through in the Bible, uh, it, it, like King Nebuchadnezzar, for example, mm -hmm. and others. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar or any king, they, they actually believed what they said. They thought they were God because nobody around them had the courage to tell them they weren't. Mm -hmm. Except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. Yep. So that's, that's how that worked. Uh, in, in, I know our time's getting up, so I want to I give one verse to people. You want to memorize a verse? Here it is. It says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth, Ephesians six fourteen. with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. What Paul is saying there is the best way to defeat the enemy, Satan, is by knowing the truth and making sure you know it, but then having the breastplate of righteousness do the truth. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to know the truth. It's another to do the truth. Yeah. And that's a two-sided challenge for all of us and a two-sided challenge for your kids. Mm -hmm. um, if you're ever talking to your kids about what's right and wrong and you determine what's right, the next question should always be, so how do we do what's right then? Yep. How do we listen to what's right yeah. and if you can get them to that point where that's the habit mm -hmm. they'll be healthier than most and yeah. they'll also be odd because the culture doesn't do that mm -hmm. but um enough of the culture will if if we get back to it mm -hmm. the way we're supposed to as parents um are you hopeful for the future i am okay and it's not because of our government no it's not because of your own personal uh, fortune that you have somewhere. No, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, what What is it that gives you hope? The hope is is the fact that this this world that we live in and look at is only temporary. It is. And uh, there's more to life than this. And if you don't understand that, if all of your hope is placed is placed in this world, in our governments, in, in your physical well being, in your comfort and your, your savings, whatever you want to do, if all your hope is in those things, you will not have hope. Mm. Because those things can change. Hope needs to be placed where it can never be taken away. And the only place that is is with Jesus, the truth that is in God's word. And I promise you, you put it there, you will never have it taken away, and you won't regret it. Mm. And those are, those are really good words, and I encourage you to, to really not only act on that but be intentional Absolutely. you know the thing that i keep you know talking with my oldest son about is, is not only knowing the truth but then standing up for the truth you know it's and, and that's kind of the two to two-sided sword that you got to do it's it's one thing to know it but it's another thing to do it that's right um and th i think that's something that that would challenge all of us 
and in sure. order in order to do it you got to know it you know it's right. you got it's a it's a two-handed thing and so yeah may that be an encouragement for you as you guys are listening out there and if you missed part of this episode i encourage you to head back to relate365.com and download this podcast and other episodes but for this time on younger and older this is jason and dave we'll take care we'll see you next time bye-bye